0: Welcome to A Bad Neighborhood. I'm Em, they, them, and this is Karen, she, her. Hi. And we are here with a part two to the Ted the Caver podcast. Er, episode. <laughs> <laughs> Ted the Caver, the episode. This of is not the podcast. A, um, yes, this Ted is the not a podcast. Pod- <laughs> Ted the Caver cast. Uh, <laughs> he's still
1: dead. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine? Uh,
0: oh man so in case you haven't read this 20 year old creepypasta i have linked it in the show notes and uh, i've linked it in the last episode as well so please if you do not want to be spoiled on this ancient piece of internet history please Go read it real quick. I say real quick, but it's going to take you a little bit uh, and then come back. But if you can't read it, if you're like me and you
1: need to listen to it, we've got the link.
0: So Dark Somnium did a really good audio version of it with uh, lots of neat effects and everything. And uh, since it's on YouTube, they also utilized the video. So you could see the the pictures and everything. I think it's a really good adaptation for people who aren't uh, so much on the reading scale
1: yes. as they are on
0: the, the listening and looking.
1: Yes. <laughs> I personally, I, I mean, I'm assuming that you read it in real time and I watched and listened to the Dark Somnium video and that was very compelling. Like it was a very enjoyable experience for me. As a, you know, person who enjoys a good, scary story.
0: Oh, so nice getting your, um, <laughs> your play-by-plays. Oh, yeah. So let, let's actually talk a little bit again, like, what is Ted the Caver? And, like, what do we talk about last time? Because, uh, last time we ended up talking a lot more about the, uh, real world elements of Ted the Caver instead of, you know, what happens, you know, because I didn't want to spoil it for you just yet. I, exactly. I even bleeped it out. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I bleeped it out in real life as well as bleeped it out in... In the podcast. In the
1: podcast. It was amazing.
0: Ka! Ka. Ah! Ah! That's a real noise that I made. What? Uh. Oh! It's me. Ted the Caver, like I mentioned, it is a 20-year-old story on a basic internet 1.0 angel fire website and everything is basic layout basic presentation it's very straightforward and it, it sort of outlines the current what's the word for it? the the current creepypasta structure that we see often today so mm. usually what that looks like it is someone is presenting you with i was doing this normal thing and i swear that if i had been told this i wouldn't believe it but i experienced it so i do and i'm telling it to you as Mm -hmm. somebody who has experienced it yes uh and then you have you know the the sinking into the unknown as it creeps closer and closer and closer, the activity or the fear, whatever it is, starts ramping up. And then uh, oftentimes creepypasta will have an inconclusive ending, which is what uh, Ted the Caver had. And sometimes it has, you know, these unusual things happening in relation to the event in question. So Ted the Caver uh it's a really really long air quotes really really long it's actually very short but it's long it's short but it's long it's a a short short. story
1: it's a short short
0: story it's long for a creepy pasta yes
1: long for a creepy pasta definitely not a novella definitely a short story i would consider it
0: yeah it's definitely short story i imagine karen you don't read that many uh creepy pastas
1: I do not. No, no. It's not really something that I seek out on my downtime. Usually my downtime, especially now, is uh, spent taking care of a house and my two dogs and my husband. So (laughs) any downtime that I have, I devote to, uh, (laughs) you know, working with you.
0: (laughs) Hell yeah. As somebody who doesn't actually have a lot of experience reading creepypasta in like the copious and unhealthy amounts that some, including I, consume it in, Mm -hmm. would you would you feel that it's more of a fresh story to you, or does it feel more cliche? I'm sure that
1: in creepypasta land it is cliche. And as a literature made like I majored in literature. So I've read a lot and we did read Lovecraft, which like I mentioned to you, the story is very Lovecraftian in its analysis of the regular goings on. It's written like a journal of a scientific expedition, thankfully not a Nazi scientific
0: expedition, (laughs) <laughs> um, it will not be milkshake duck like Ted the Caver it's been no. 20 years it's been yeah. 20 years I would yeah. have hoped something it would have come out by now I have to the-
1: <laughs> as much as I detest Lovecraft as a, as a person his literature did have an impact on the horror genre I would say that it's not so much cliche as it is an homage to the horror of the unknown and the unseen and the incomprehensible
0: oh that's a good way to
1: put it (laughs) because that was like that was the big thing about ted the caver was he never saw it Mm -hmm. to lay out the plot for anyone who doesn't care to listen or read or read it they just want to hear what we think about it um i feel you i've been there (laughs) He descends into this cavern and it has this very claustrophobic effect of him getting through the very tiny space in between the surface and the unknown. And it's essentially a very painful birthing into this space of curiosity and it definitely blends the the two aspects of curiosity of pure awe and excitement and adventure and then the horrifying aspect of the darkness and the the fear and he can't see like his light goes out he can't communicate with his partner who is on the other side back in the surface and it's
0: not really the surface they're both in the cave yeah they're they're both in the cave on the less scary side yes yeah his partner is on this
1: (laughs) on this side that has been explored by them like they explored it together and then now he has descended into the part where the his partner has never gone and it combines some of the greatest things that we love about horror in that we can't look away <laughs> because is yeah. it scarier to know or is it scarier to not know, which is kind of the point of Ted, the caver I felt like.
0: Yeah. And um, just to put it out there, I think it's scarier to not know because he mentions <laughs> a creature called the hodag And, <laughs> And if you Google Hodag, like, let, let me bring it up so I could just. Mm, Hodag. I just, like, my very <laughs> first Google search of it, it's so
1: cute. Like, I'm sure that's not what his intention was, but golly, <laughs> like, yeah. Google the Hodag and all of a sudden you're not scared of it anymore. <laughs> I'm not yeah. scared of the
0: hodag. It, it's like I uh, mean it's like the bulldog form of a dragon.
1: Yeah, it's like <laughs> honestly, it's like a cartoon. It's a cartoon monster. <laughs> I just love it.
0: Yeah. It, it it's, it's it's beautiful actually. I like <laughs>
1: Like you've never seen the dragon prince, right? No, I have not
0: Oh my god, somebody literally drew a... <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. What's it? What's it? What's it? It's what? a wild dog. Just it's a bull dog. Oh, dag! Okay. Oh my okay. god! Oh,
1: it's so funny because I it. <laughs> when I looked it up immediately, and I know that's not their intention, but immediately my first thought was bait from the Dragon Prince, which is their pet. Oh my god! Oh my it's, a, it's you're right. It's like
0: a spiky, taloned bait. I also, you know what? It, it's, it's interesting. You say it's like a a birthing, and when you think about it, you're like, uh, oh shit, that that may or may not. You could interpret it in that way that uh, Floyd's tomb is literally birthing Ted or unbirthing. I don't know. Which, like which one would be scarier? <laughs>
1: Yeah. I mean, that's kind of the, the thing about birth, rebirth. It's like, I mean, the idea is is that he's, he's going through this really tight cavern. So that is a, that is a birth and he comes out and he's filled with curiosity and excitement. And then he has to go back and experience like life away from the, the cave. But all he wants to do is go out and experience more of the unknown and so he keeps going back, and then the final time he goes back, spoiler alert he he doesn't come back. I don't know i'm I'm always looking for the uh story of life in a story where it's like your childhood, your teens, adult death
0: I mean that's a good thing to look for when you're looking at the the structure of stories in the first place, yeah. so whether or not it's intended, a lot of people use symbolism. Uh, mm-hmm. and it comes across in strange ways of course we can't say for sure what the original author's intent was except to write a scary story and if if you think about it in more of a literary fashion it's actually really fascinating in under that lens so you consider the the main cave area sort of the womb and then they go through Floyd's tomb mm-hmm. and get birthed out into this new curiosity but they keep going back and then obsessing over this thing because the first time Ted actually emerges into this space it, nothing bad happens to him yeah it's great it's fantastic there are some things that he doesn't understand but uh, he he's thrilled To eventually come back and bring people with him, and then he goes back to safety. And then he comes back with a friend, and he's not the one who's actually experiencing this. He gets hurt, and then this friend comes back, and whatever it is that happened in there to Joe, which is the friend, it changed him. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and whether or not it's sort of the, the the idea of maybe being birthed and then returning to mm-hmm. if if we if we want to go in the sexual direction you know mhm yeah <laughs> we always want to go there <laughs> yeah like they become obsessed with returning yeah and the experience follows them out and it changes them. Yeah. Granted, not in a great way. But no. <laughs> that that's where my, my my bit kind of falls apart.
1: Yeah, I have a I have a hard time. For a lot of horror, we can find sexuality as like a big theme in horror. But for this one it was kind of like, uh, I, I didn't really see any of it. Um except for when he said, of course. The reason that he like came back and or or something like that, the reason he kept going on him and B, like the reason they kept like hammering away at this thing, and they were like, he's like, I really had no other explanation for it except for testosterone, and I was like, oof, all right, <laughs> <laughs> and I that, mean... <laughs> <ahead>. I mean, <laughs> that's a pretty obvious, like, that's a pretty obvious one where he was like. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna just point at this here and say yes, this is what it is, and uh, move right on. And and it's like for me, I guess less about sexuality, even though you know we're always the, the looking very, for sexuality. The
0: very <laughs> obvious, like <laughs> the it's vagina. Yes,
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. The constant drilling into this whole like. It's very <laughs> obviously sexual. Um. <laughs> I'm five. Yeah. I mean, but seriously, like, this is the thing that they do in horror genres and, like, not horror alone. Like, Star Wars did it. So
0: <laughs> it's everywhere. I mean, some aspect of sexuality is present in most of uh, most people's experiences. Yes. Just the human experience. Yes. Uh, (laughs) So I think it would be something very recognizable. Yeah.
1: And I I would say that, you know, uh, an argument can be made to discuss the sexual nature of Ted the Caver, but I'm going to, I'm going to focus more on the, the aspect of like curiosity, because I think that is the big theme of Ted the Caver is just the, Double-edged sword of curiosity.
0: Yeah, sometimes curiosity could go too far. Yes, Uh, it's it's like when you go into the bad parts of the internet and you see they have something there. They're like only click through if you're ready to go, and you click through,
1: and you're like, "Why? (laughs) I really shouldn't have done that."
0: Oh, I've seen some horrible things. You don't like oh the things that people do with insects. It's just.
1: Yep. Ugh. I'm I'm good. I'm good. <laughs> For me, I know it's weird, but I read it like because he ended on such a hopeful note. It's just really funny to me because I think of the idea of a- ascension more so than death. It's weird. Because he he goes back to like his final entry is me, Joe and B are going back to the cave we're going to go and see what it is confront this like f- like i've got my gun i've got my knives i've got rope for days i've got this that everything i've got everything i need i'm ready to go i want closure and the thing about it is is that we as the readers know that closure is never going to come for him based on what happens after he is first trapped in the cavern and he sees the big round rock has moved and he realizes that he's not alone in the cavern he won't be satisfied until he knows what it is and in order to do that he has to dig deeper and confront this thing there's a weird power in that Mm -hmm. because he's going to face his death We know that we know that he's going to face his death and you're hopeful that he doesn't, but really there you can't imagine any other outcome because of what he experienced at the bottom of the cave. I mean, it would be a hero story. It wouldn't be a a horror story if he escaped and got out just fine. I mean, I guess it would be still horror, but it wouldn't be,
0: it wouldn't have quite the same impact.
1: Yeah. Yeah, it's more impactful that he he left with all of the hope in the world that he could solve this problem, and then he comes he doesn't come back. Like, he he can't, he can't come back. Mm -hmm. Even, even if he did beat this thing, I don't think he could come back.
0: Maybe he's the one that lives under the rock
1: now. Yeah, and that's another idea, too. (laughs) I wouldn't be surprised if someone wrote a sequel.
0: (laughs) There's, you know, I, I've never actually thought to look at, at sequels or anything like that. Uh, it's just never occurred to me because even if it's an inconclusive ending, that's an ending for me. Yeah, it's a it's a satisfying spot to end a horror story.
1: Yeah, I mean, this was a really good place, I think, for Creepypastas to start because it's a really good solid foundation of that. It just, it's a very tightly packed present. I really enjoyed it, honestly.
0: Oh, that's so good. I'm so happy. <laughs> yeah, like, I mean, I
1: i love short stories probably more than I love any other thing. Like, everything that I've read, like, nothing sticks with me
0: like a good short story. The yellow wallpaper, man.
1: Yeah, even the Goblin Market, too.
0: I've not read that.
1: It's a poem. It was weird because I was in college and, and I read it and I was like, this is funny. Like, am I crazy? This is funny. Cause I'm reading it down. I want to
0: read this. It's
1: so sexual. It's by a woman. Yeah, it's by Christina Rossetti. And she, like, experienced sex work. Like, she not herself, but she experienced life around sex workers in her time period. And... So she viewed the Johns as, uh, goblins. It's, it's just, it's really pretty, but it also is, I just remember laughing. We got way off topic.
0: <laughs> That's fine. I'm now I'm just thinking about history and how much I, 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 enjoy archiving it. Yeah. For no real reason. I don't, I can't, I can't really place Exactly why. It's just I have this obsession with uh memorializing and uh preserving information.
1: Yeah. I mean, there's like private collections that librarians and uh museum curators alike work to keep protected. A good example was the art and manuscripts from the Rower and Jerome incarceration camps. Here in Arkansas, there was a whole grant funded position for like two or three years. The girl who was in charge, she worked to put these pieces on display, not only physically, but also online, like an online catalog for people to to visit. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. And she even made a book too. They worked really hard and it was a really neat project. It was cool because it started around the time that I started and it was super fascinating to watch.
0: Yeah, there's just something about um taking something that a lot of people don't think is really important now and uh making it accessible for the future. Cuz you know, you you have so much shit and it, it was it was such a common thing to keep journals and shit. Yeah. Way back when. Now people don't do it so much. We ha- we have uh the Constantly moving, constantly shifting internet to put our thoughts out on. Yeah, and Facebook and Twitter have become our journals. Yeah, pretty much. And the there's a permanence and an impermanence to it Mm -hmm. because we don't have control over actual like where it all goes,
1: right? Because I mean, I myself have deleted my Twitter account probably three different times, and any thoughts or feelings that I had in between those times are gone forever. If you want to save any of that, you actually have to go through a corporation, not Mm -hmm. just the person. Things that exist are not necessarily your own anymore.
0: (laughs) For me personally, I've been very much, very anal about preserving things that I have. I I'm working through making digital scans of my sketchbooks, and I I do a lot of stuff with the hard copies and things, because I I I always see these things that people don't attach any value to. They they take their own thoughts and everything for granted, and then you end up with uh forty fifty years in the future that people actually are interested in knowing how. You, like other people thought how other people experienced life and everything like that and i and like we simultaneously have a a rich and easily accessible history right now with Mm -hmm. almost everybody who who has access to the internet and at the same time almost nothing there was for example a person near and dear to my heart And I was very close friends with him for seven years and we had a falling out and he scrubbed his entire life from the internet. And all I have are a handful of Gaia online comments that that show that he once existed, but I cannot find him. All of his old email addresses are dead. All of his old social media accounts, dead nothing. And as as much as I had said before that it's easy to find a lot of information online, uh there's some things that you can never find if you don't know where to look. And because of the the way that we did things, it, it's impossible now. <laughs> yeah. And there's like a
1: safety in that, but there's also there's a loss of, you know.
0: Yeah. And at the same time, though, like this is a normal thing throughout history. There's hundreds and hundreds and thousands and thousands and millions, billions, quadrillions <laughs> of. It, it, the number just gets bigger the more you remember that a lot of people have lived and died across the entire history of everything. Yeah. Like there's so much that is lost. And right now is a fantastic time to preserve this information for people in the future and be able to show them these things uh and so we live in a time where we take that for granted i think because we get so much of now constantly that it's taking a toll on the then and i think also that's why nostalgia has grown in uh cultural significance at least in the united states Yeah. People make bank on nostalgia. It's just because, you know, you have that weird liminal space now of the internet where things simultaneously do and do not exist. Wow, I'm more passionate about this than I thought.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, we have to spend our lives on the internet now, especially. It's it's been this way for a while. Where we've found comfort online versus in person
0: and i think i think that brings us back around to the ancientness of ted the caver yeah 20 years since yeah it first appeared that is
1: incredible because yeah to me when i was reading it it didn't read like a 2000 era story it could because i mean he was talking about his video camera and his photo camera are two de- two separate things, whereas, like, and his phone was something totally different, which, I mean, in a cave, your cell phone would not work. So you would need radio phone. But having them be all these different things, I felt like it was kind of timeless. Because
0: even explorers, they were like, uh... When you're out in the field, you regress in technology.
1: Yeah yeah it's hard to explain how to me it felt timeless because i feel like the idea of capturing something and you know that it's safe and then when you get back to the place where you are physically safe and the evidence is all gone that's a very common thing in horror (laughs) Mm -hmm. and other literature as well
0: yeah i think there's also a a certain charm to it that um you you don't get as often these days i mean maybe it's noticed more these days but a failure to capture a moment or preserve something for the future the the inability for him to record his findings physically for b is uh kind of something we feel more than ever now because we literally walk around with recording devices on us at all times. Yeah. So if we miss a moment, that feels more like we're missing it.
1: Yeah. It's FOMO to the max, yo. What does that mean? Fear of missing out. <laughs> oh. That was uh, the whole thing about fire.
0: <laughs> fire? What?
1: The fire festival. <laughs> oh, right. Right. That was what inspired all those douchebags to go.
0: Fear of missing out. Fear
1: of missing out.
0: <laughs> and at, at risk of sounding like an anti-technology, fire is magic and Thomas Edison is a witch. I mean, Edison is a dick, but... <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, I, I do at least sympathize with the idea that maybe not everything is meant to be recorded yeah and the value is the the experience itself
1: i think that for ted the caver it was less that the uh, experience needing to be captured to like make sure that he felt it versus this could not be captured because it is incomprehensible to technology and incomprehensible to you and to anyone outside of this place
0: yeah you uh, you raise a good point actually that brings back the lovecraft thing. I mean <laughs> it's just ultra
1: horror. I do enjoy it so much. The idea of something so horrendous like you lose your mind thinking about it or looking at it because i think like I think listening to it he he did kind of get into this whole existential crisis about his existence and he's like i could die in here what would happen to be what he was going through it and he was like i just don't know what to do (laughs) i mean there's so many tracks that ted the caver could go down it's is it an eldritch horror is it your regular cryptid or is it psychological trauma there's so many things that it could be and that's what makes it chef's kiss for me
0: plus you know pepper in the fact that ted is an unreliable narrator we don't know anything from the other two perspectives right and it's such a good peek into the uh the history of horror on the internet because i remember when i came across it 20 years ago oh my goodness it was when uh i was fresh and young and and uh, on the Google dot com, when <laughs> Google had serifs, oh man! <laughs> yes, <laughs> little baby me going EVPs, please to Google. <laughs> and uh, I did end up finding my way into quite a few forums and um, ghost story places and uh all all of the stuff that uh i think some some ghost obsessed horror fanatics would have seen hundreds and thousands of times because you do end up seeing it over and over again and there's countless homages in in different games and media and everything and it's all public domain so people use that shit mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I remember actually coming across Ted the Caver as uh, presented as a nonfiction account. Wow. Obviously, we know that that is not the case. We know that it is a fictional story. And uh, as, as we mentioned in part one, there are two a minimum of two possible authors thomas lira and the actual ted the caver if that is uh actually who he is because we have no way of confirming that mm-hmm. um you know so we know without without a doubt now and even if you go back and you look at it, it it's it's something that would be just very easy to write in everything but i do recall ted the caver being presented as a non-fiction account and i remember people trying to figure out where it was uh and everything like that i did read it after it was all done so i didn't have the pleasure of actually going step by step with the story but at the same time i was um you know i was using the this laptop that weighed like eight pounds and lugging it around with me so i could read it and then switching over to <laughs> to read it on other computers and and sending it to everybody going look at this look at this um <laughs> i remember being overwhelmed by the sense that it could be real yeah because being yeah, cuz i was sub 10 years old yeah i was going to say in 2001
1: <laughs> i i couldn't even imagine like harry potter and the chamber of secrets scared me
0: oh my goodness yeah like it it was the time when I was digging into fantasy and everything like that I had a very rich internal life and everything was simultaneously real and not to me at the time so seeing seeing an account that so well mimicked reality to me it was amazing yeah I I 100% believed that ted was gonna come back that wow. was my thing i believed that ted was gonna come back oh wow i had so much hope in my heart oh <laughs> oh no <laughs> uh i i ended up drifting away from the memory of it over time so it, it wasn't actually until recently that i thought about it again because i i was you know once in a while you think about something that influenced you a lot as a as a person and i think ted the caver is one of those for me Mm -hmm. and i do periodically recall it exists i go back uh i have actually um a, a pdf version of it because i i i I do enjoy the story that much Mm -hmm. and it, it did make that kind of um impact and it wasn't actually until uh i i came across uh the dark somnium reading that i i decided to return to it again in like the past 10 years so it it's it's so interesting to go back and then realize that this is Uh, ancient by internet standards and uh when you trace the history of the the internet horror storytelling um tradition this is the root of just hundreds of stories that a lot of people are familiar with today like that's a big deal yeah to actually be able to like show this thing to people like you don't have to come over and like look with with white gloves yeah and somebody turning the pages for you you could go and you could look at it still because it still exists it still is there in its original form and that there's something special about that
1: it is yeah i mean i was tempted to go and and click about it and i might later but like that that is something that's that's really unique to the Internet. And I just that's like I hope that it stays and it becomes like memorialized because I, I don't know how big of an impact it has on the Internet as a whole. But at least to the creepypasta community, I think that it should be kept safe.
0: It might be faster to read than to listen to because I'm I'm going back to the cave the the caves, (laughs) 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 the pages. Um, it's only ten pages, but it is a literal wall of text. Yeah, so um, that's
1: another thing I wanted to say about Dark Somnium was like he made it compelling and interesting to listen to. Mm -hmm. If I had to read that on my own, I probably would have been really bored (laughs) because it is a lot of geology talk not geology talk it's it's a lot of like caver talk a lot of caving talk but something about dark voice really kept me engaged and it wasn't just the sound effects it wasn't just the constant going of the screen it was just something in his voice really kept me engaged and i really appreciated that so big shout out to him He
0: nailed it (laughs) the intonation the 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 feeling that he lent to it, it it's it's very good he
1: the desperation in his voice that happens as he slowly becomes unraveled is just enough it's not too much it got close to the point of being like okay i'm a little like unsure about this but then he like would He just nailed it, made it a very exciting and I mean, exciting might not be the right word, but it was very like captivating.
0: Yeah. And there's a lot of tension. Yes. Somehow. Yes. Uh, you You could actually feel the weight of the story.
1: I mean, yeah, like when he said the whole of a mountain is on my back. I was like, Oh, I feel that like I've yeah. never been in a cave, but I feel this <laughs> and like, I get it. Like he's like, he gets it. And it's just, it. it was very. <sighs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Like uh, I, I've, I've listened to a lot of uh, creepy pasta readers and I actually, I've never listened to any of his other videos before. Uh so I I I'm probably going to be doing that to be honest. Um but the the character that he gave to the reading and the attention to detail was something that I super appreciated from the bottom of my heart as somebody obsessed with weird history things. It it really spoke to the spirit of the story, I think. I don't think you could ever capture again the initial urban legend feeling of it, Mm -hmm. but I think it's a wonderful way to introduce it to the modern creepypasta community, because it it carries a lot of the spirit with it.
1: Yeah. If there's ever a class discussing storytelling via the internet, I hope that Ted the Gaver makes it, because... This was a a really cool way to tell a story, and it's not just a cool way to tell a story. it's a good story. I'm easily pleased when it comes to writing if If you've got stuff, I will probably enjoy it so <laughs>
0: <laughs> i I know you definitely have higher standards than that. I mean <laughs> if it's legible, <laughs> <laughs> oh you have you have you definitely have a threshold i i do and i'm i'm actually really incredibly happy that ted the caver makes it past the threshold <laughs> well <laughs> it it has like it has themes and it
1: has symbolism and imagery and it's like it it's so accessible for me for me a story can't be too pretentious which i feel like ted the caver Ted, the narrator, entered into that realm. <laughs> he definitely talked it down when he was like, I mean, I have a job. I have things that I do. I don't cave for my life. He's like, I want to, but like, I have other things I have to do. His tone just was never super pretentious. It was just kind of like this, this guy that I felt like I could understand. Yeah. So long as there's no pretension, I can enjoy it. And I feel like it's just a very special piece. And I hope that other people can experience it and enjoy it. If if anyone were ever to teach a class like that, I would recommend Ted the Caver. I'm always thinking about things that should be taught in classes because there's so many things that I wish I had read in school that I just didn't.
0: You could write whole papers on Ted the Caver. I feel like uh, Ted the Caver is one of those ones where the analysis of it would be thicker than the story.
1: <laughs> yeah yeah because I mean, too, you have to take into account the way that it was presented. like that can't be ignored because it it was so groundbreaking and not even necessarily groundbreaking, like people have like and that's kind of a funny, oh my God <laughs> He mentions the Wait, hodag you know? he mentions the hodag. the Hodag, when I looked it up, one of the first like sightings. Was done by a
0: guy playing a prank. Yeah. Oh my, god. <laughs> oh my god. Oh my god. Oh my god. That is so oh my god, that's on the nose. He That's him basically telling you. Oh my god. <laughs> oh my god, Ted. <laughs> <laughs> oh I love picking apart stories. And Me too. <laughs> Holy shit! That is that that's something I I never would have thought of because I know the hodag is a prank in a hoax, but I never actually made that connection. <laughs> I feel like Shane. I've connected the dots. <laughs> you didn't connect dots. shit. <laughs> um. Damn, dude. Uh, <laughs> that is God. <laughs> i mean like just through through the like the ted the caver is presented in so many uh layers Mm -hmm. that it's it's just a wonderful form of media yeah and between uh imitating the personal websites of 2001 uh the uh, the media used to create it the uh the way it circulated the internet, the way that it took—I think it was four four years for the author to resurface and say, uh, "Thomas Lira didn't write this." <laughs> mm. <laughs> so you you had four clear years of thinking that Ted was dead. Uh, <laughs> uh, it, it, it's it's special. It's really special, and I don't think he could get back. He, I don't think you could ever get back that that time. Yeah. Uh it's one of those ones where uh, when we look back on the uh War of the Worlds radio play. Mm-hmm. And you know that people were frightened because they thought it was really happening, because it was a new way to present a story. Yes. I think that Ted the Caver is definitely on that level. And we we say that we
1: can't get that, but I mean, for us as we are now, we probably won't get that. But there are tons of people, you know, who are just being born into the internet that are experiencing TikToks that frighten the bejesus out of them.
0: That's true. Like we saw the TikToks are fucking wild.
1: They're fucking wild. There was, I think this one girl who did a project about like like we saw it, like there was like the successive videos where she's like, "Hi, Mom. Aww. I moved in with my boyfriend, and like everything's fine, and then, like the lights flicker. It came out like she was doing a film project, but it was you know a horror story, it was lovely, it was lovely it was it was
0: wonderful, yeah, um, I like every time we we have new technology, there's a new new way to present things,
1: yeah, a new way to tell a scary story.
0: A new way to share with us. Oh, yes. Your bad neighborhood. <laughs> <laughs> I'm beginning to feel like the uh, the bad neighborhood is the entirety of the internet. <laughs> yeah,
1: because like, what better way to describe the internet than a bad neighborhood?
0: <laughs> yeah, I think uh, we've covered everything today. So I'm going to uh, quote Ted here as we say goodbye to our neighbors, I guess. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) See all of you soon with a lot of answers. Love, Ted. (laughs)